at home We knew we were safe To be young enough to dream Find the faith to believe Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, great to be with you once again. Today is podcast 264, and we are returning to our series of Elevating Marriage. It is time to elevate the home, the family, and marriage. And once again, my husband is with me, and uh, he will be with me as we continue this series. Uh, I was going to start today about elevating a specific piece of furniture in our home. But before we get on to that, I think we need to speak a little bit more (coughs) about marriage. Uh, There's so much more to say and a few scriptures that we'd like to bring to you. And of course, it's only the scriptures that are worth talking about. If we were to come here with our own ideas, we wouldn't be much help to you, would we? But um, here's just one or two scriptures and a few thoughts about them. Matthew chapter 19, verse 8, talks about how that hardness of heart is what leads to divorce. And therefore, this is something that we have to watch in our marriage We can easily uh, get a hard heart, and we've got to guard that with all our might. It is so important to keep a soft heart to the Lord, a soft heart to God's word, a soft heart to people who speak against us, and of course, most of all, a soft heart to our husbands. And, you know, life's not perfect, and we're not perfect, I'm not perfect, our husbands aren't perfect. And so there will be times when they do things or say things that hurt you, that, wow, you're not happy about. In fact, you can get offended. You may even, if you let your heart get hard, you'll get bitter and twisted. But we mustn't allow that because... You know, it really, um, if you get offended and you don't deal with it, offense leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to hardness. And hardness leads to divorce. So that's the thing that God says is is the root cause of divorce. It's a hard heart. So that's something we have to watch. What do you think about that, darling? Yes, <clears throat> yes. Hardness of heart is almost. Uh, it, it comes through very deeply. It comes through very defiantly. Can can do hardness of heart is uh, like you just getting across your opinions so strongly, <clears throat> but not with a meek spirit. So when you have a hardness of heart, when you're retaliating or coming back. You know, you're, it shows a, a realm of, of uh, toughness, um, 
perhaps defiance, um, and, and something that it, just your mind is made up, and this is the way you feel about it, and you may even stomp your feet while you're while you're speaking it. You may not, but nevertheless, it's it's uh, unfortunate that that should take place because it cannot be. Um, anything worked out when your heart becomes hardened or your speech becomes hardened. So if your heart is hardened, your face will look hardened, your eyes will look hardened. And uh, and I think it's almost like a demonic realm can come right into there and just bring about uh, like a wrecking ball. Yes, when you said that, I think of that scripture in mm. Isaiah where it says the show of thy countenance mm -hmm. doth witness against thee. And it is true, you know, if our heart gets hard, um, our face will begin to look hard. Yeah. And isn't it sad when you see a woman with a hard face? Oh, you know, it, it doesn't even look nice, does it? It's not it? endearing to, no. to anybody when your face gets... Like a damant stone, it says, that must be a very, very, what is that? Adamant stone. Adamant stone, but it's a, it's a stone. It's called a damant stone. And it must be a very um, hard stone. I think it's a King James uh, version of, the, of that particular mention of stone. It's hard. It's like flinty rock or something. And it's just, you, you, you can't answer to that. You can't respond to it because if you do, you're just going to, almost fall into the same trap. Yes, let's see um, what Jesus said about it all. I mentioned Matthew chapter 19, but it's all repeated again in Mark chapter 10, verse 2. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? That means to divorce his wife tempting Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away, to divorce her. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you that precept. For the hardness of your heart. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And uh, he said to them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. <clears throat> so there it is from the mouth of Jesus. And the warning from the word of God is that we keep soft hearts. So if you have been offended and, oh, you are hurt by your husband and your heart is tending to get bitter, get down on your knees. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. It's only the Holy Spirit who can change our hearts and turn 
our hearts around. He can make our hard hearts into soft hearts. And, and seek with all your heart to keep a soft heart. And that's something even as we're mothering, we need to teach our children how to keep a soft heart, how to respond even to correction and to instruction with a soft heart. It's a habit that we need to get into all our lives. And of course, as I said before, there will be times when you know, it can happen in your marriage, even when your husband says something that is, it just cuts across your spirit. It's like an arrow that goes deep into your heart. Well, once again, get before the Lord and do what the Bible tells you to do. And that is, instead of reacting uh, with getting bitter and a hard heart, to react with a blessing. That's an amazing thing in the Bible. It, there are many, many principles, kingdom principles, that uh, they're so opposite to us. They're the opposite to the way we feel, the opposite to the way we work. And uh, one of these principles is blessing when people curse you and say evil things about you. We read that in Matthew 5. And also in 1 Peter 3, verse 8, New Living Translation, it says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Now, when someone has hurt you, or when even your husband has said hurtful words, you don't feel like blessing him, do you? No, you feel mad. You feel hurt. You feel, oh, just cut up. But the Bible tells us to pay them back. Well, that's what we really feel like. Oh, I'm going to pay them back. No, we pay them back with a blessing. Another translation says, retaliate. How? Retaliate with a blessing. The Knox translation says, not repaying hard words with hard words, but blessing those who curse you. Now, I know that is the opposite to how you feel, but it's a kingdom principle and it works. God's kingdom principles work. And when you begin to bless, when you to pay back with a blessing, to instead of retaliating with hard words, you retaliate with soft words. Or maybe no words at all, if you can't say soft words. And you will find that God will begin to work. God works when we obey his principles. Yes, so if you're really wanting the debate or the discussion to turn around to be a blessing to you. Um, we have to be very careful about keeping a meek spirit, a soft spirit, because if your, your hardness of mouth or conversation was indicative of what your spirit is going on in your spirit. So you have to quieten your spirit. You have to, you have to purposely 
uh, you know, take out resistance in your spirit or come against it, and then you can you can then begin to speak, because because once you make strong statements, it's very hard for the other person not to react with strong statements, and you're never going to get anywhere. As somebody said, you will never win an argument, and that is the truth. You never do. Um, but if you speak a kind words. Um, you know, in entreating words, in soft words, you'll get it'll come back to you, and 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 the person that you're speaking to, maybe your husband or maybe your wife, also will will have this opportunity and and feel and feel that it's worth speaking um, back back in that in that soft spirit, that meek spirit. So important, so very important. We really do need to realize this is the new nature. This is the Christ nature inside of us. They wondered, the scripture says, the people that heard Jesus speak wondered at the gracious words that proceeded from his mouth. They were amazed at those gracious words. And even though he was often in a hostile environment, but and and perhaps the scribes and the Pharisees were were really denouncing the people, making them people feel guilty and heavy and hard words they were receiving from them. Perhaps dominating words from the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus was totally different. Yes, Amen. And now there's another scripture I want to give you. Uh, when we were last speaking about marriage, I gave you some scriptures about the exclusivity of marriage. And I forgot this one, and I want to give it to you. It's found in Proverbs chapter 5, and in the context of talking about uh, marriage, specifically about the husband. <clears throat> and it says, verse 15, Thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. Do you notice there those words, own? It's very exclusive. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let them be only thine own. Once again, we see the exclusivity of marriage. We read in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2, Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So, uh, but I did talk about that last time so I just wanted to give you those scriptures though and now we are going to go on to another scripture a very powerful scripture about marriage in Malachi Malachi chapter 2 and we will have a few thoughts to share with you on these scriptures <coughs> let me read them first verse 14 the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. 
Yet she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel saith, that he hateth putting away. He hates divorce. For one covereth violence, and with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. Did you notice that in those few verses, the word treacherously is mentioned five times? times it's amazing that is pretty mm. serious isn't it five mm. times the word treacherous treacherously is mentioned in the context of a marriage splitting up you want me to say something here <laughs> i thought you were going to say something <laughs> well you know it it's I notice that you take, beware of your spirit, how your spirit is reacting. I noticed when you were saying that, how important it is to keep your spirit right so that you will, you know, treat your wife as your companion. If you have a, if she's your companion and you, you, before you got married, she certainly was your companion. It wouldn't the marriage wouldn't have happened, I guess, if it I'm sure, if it if she was not your companion. But when you have a companion, you even in in even outside of marriage, if you have a companion with friends or lady friends, if you're speaking to women or to men, um, you know, you you treat them respectfully and you <clears throat> you talk you, you talk in, encouragingly to your companion and you, you want to talk regularly to your companion. You can't wait to talk again to your companion. And this is the way we are to view our, our spouse, whether it's a husband or a wife. We're to view them as our number one companion. Mm. Yes, this word treacherously, <coughs> in the Hebrew, it's the word <coughs> begad. And it means pillage, to deal deceitfully, treacherously, unfaithfully to offend, to transgress. And here it's talking about the husband treacherously uh, dealing with his wife. But then we go over to Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 20. And here it's talking about the wife and it says, Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. Because is God and Israel were a type of marriage. And when they departed from the Lord and served other gods, uh, he said, you are just like a treacherous wife. And so it is used for both the husband and the wife. So once again, we have to look upon marriage as God sees it, 
And uh, when he put uh, Adam and Eve together, he said he made them one flesh. When he puts every married couple together, they become one. And when they are separated, it's a treacherous thing in God's eyes. <clears throat> and so I think, though, it, it comes back not to great big things, but very little things. I think everything in marriage starts with little things. In fact, the message paraphrase uh, of this scripture, it says, His Spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And I think that is very powerful. God is watching over the smallest details, and it's even the little things in our marriage that can gradually lead to hardness of heart and even to the treacherousness of of a oneness that is pulled apart. And um, often we just don't realize the, the impact of that. I think if only we could be aware that God is just watching every little detail in every area, in our sexual union, our daily living, our attitudes, and every interaction with one another, it's all adding up to a beautiful marriage or to one that is crumbling. What would you have to say, darling? Yes, I do think, <clears throat> you know, to bring about a, a treacherous words or acting treacherously, I mean, it has, you can, obviously with a treacherousness, being treacherous is you're cutting off. You're actually you know, acting very severely, and it's destroying. What a treacherous is a very strong, strong word, and uh, you know, and I think this can this can happen. We are to speak in a way that will not be accusatory, and I think this is one thing that really, um, really uh, causes a lot of problems in marriage. I think we've even been challenged by it ourselves. Uh, when when my wife says you're accusing me. And I might say, no, you are accusing me. And so we we um, <clears throat> we have to we have to be very very careful as we say our words and speak and speak to towards one another that this doesn't come across as accusing, um, because you know he is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. We um, we don't need to be joining his his camp and accusing one another. Also, so we, rather we need to be, if we have a question relating to one uh, something that's gone missing, or that's usually where we we can get ourselves into a little bit of a tight spot. It's um, if something goes missing, and then um, you know I can think, well, I'm being accused, and and my wife will think, well, she's being accused about it. We don't let it really get to us in any big heavy way, but we have to watch that what we say and keep and it's the way we say it i think that can be interpreted as being accusative which is and leads to a kind of um treacherous response i think so we have to be so wise about those sort of things and i think what i'm talking about can be happening daily with people just accusing one another 
and then finally it leads to a more harsh uh, actions because people just can't tolerate it, they can't stand it, they get tired of it, they get worn out with it, and, and then they're done with it. And that's the treacherous aspect of it. Yes, another um, thought from this passage, the, uh, it comes actually from the message, which is a paraphrase really, but often it has some beautiful thoughts. Um, and it says here, I hate divorce, says the God of Israel. I hate the violent dismembering of the one flesh marriage. So watch yourselves. Don't let your guard down. Don't cheat. And I began to think of this word, dismembering. Wow, that's a very powerful word. It's not something that <clears throat> sort of just uh, happens all of the, at once, usually. It's sort of little by little. It's dismembering from being something that is whole and one. Marriage is meant to be whole. And I think of the illustration of... Um, a baby in the womb. Now, a baby begins uh, with two. It begins with the sperm and it begins with the egg. And the sperm is fused together with the egg and therefore it becomes one. And conception happens. A new baby is growing because life begins at conception. There were two, the sperm and the egg. But then when they are made one together, uh, they are one. They are one new life. When a couple uh, are put together in marriage, they become a new oneness. But what happens with abortion? The devil hates new life. He hates life. And he is the destroyer who comes to rob, kill and destroy and uh, so sadly, so many precious babies in the womb through abortion are dismembered limb by limb in the womb. And that is really the bottom line is the work of Satan. He is in the business of dismembering that which was one, that which was whole. He wants to dismember it like he has done to so many precious, precious babies in the womb. So, but then it happens so, in marriage. Yes, it happens in marriage. So we have, this, is, this is quite an interesting point that you're bringing out here because, you know, we can say, well, it's divorce, but do we realize... That it's actually dismembering the one flesh that God has brought mm -hmm. us to, and in marriage, when we make that covenant, and when we have, when we, um, you know, take that that on a, on further, and we become one flesh, and that's what happens. We become one flesh through the intimacy, and and God doesn't want that to become dismembered to be cut away. So it's here, it says dismembering of the one flesh of marriage that this um, particular translation says. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's extremely, we have to see it, that God hates it. That's why he hates it. 
There's got to be something pretty pretty bad about that 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 would cause God to say, "I hate divorce." He hates it because he's joined he's joined us together. He's created that situation whereby we are linked together and we're joined together, and then we go about dismembering it. It's mm. like what you're saying to the babies in the womb in abortion and so on like that. They just literally dismember the babies. Well, we're doing this with marriage as well. Yes, and it you starts know? in just little ways. And every sort of negative word and, and negative action is a little dismembering. And so instead of allowing that to happen, we've got to remember we are always to be building. We're continuing to um, just enhance our oneness rather than dismembering. And and I think, too, that we need to realize how God really uh, sees, sees marriage so that we will not just like they're having in, in, in many of the course today sort of what they call quick divorce. I mean, that's disgusting, you know, to, to think like that. When God hates it, you know, we need to ask the Lord to give us a, the same hatred that he has towards mm-hmm. it so that we'll be much more careful how we, how, how we act in our marriage so that we're not doing and how we speak in our marriage and the attitudes we have in our marriage. Yes. Oh, I can't even believe how time has gone. And we there's lots more thoughts on this scripture. So I think we will uh, do another podcast continuing a few thoughts about this scripture because it is so powerful. But we do pray that the Lord will pour out his blessings upon you today and upon your marriage and Uh, that if there's any little dismembering going on, even in a little way, and you're not feeling that oneness together, don't let it carry on. Do something about it. Take a positive action and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and flood your heart so you can forgive and you can bless and you can begin to Speak a positive word of blessing even when you've been accused and uh, hurt. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Jesus, he was accused over and over and over and in the most violent times. But he didn't allow it to get to his heart and change his salvation and change his grace towards the people that were accusing him. And so we need to keep that. I think it's so very, very important, for, especially for women, especially for the, the husbands speaking to them and they become very hurt. They really get extremely hurt. And they're just constantly that way. You can't, and a man's got to be so, so careful that he, you know, walks, walking on, eggs, on eggshells around her. Anyway, That's not the way God wants it to be. You pray. We've got to end. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful uh, time together in this very, very important subject. And we pray that, Lord, there will be no dismembering. There will be no more, Lord. You will help us to, 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 to fight for our marriages, to resist the temptations of the enemy, to destroy them, to dismember them. In Jesus' name. Amen.